0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: I'm going to ask you to join me in the book of Genesis chapter 12. I'm going to read a few verses that will be familiar perhaps to some and um, I'll give you my sermon title and maybe that will make sense a little bit closer toward the end. But I want to preach to you tonight from this subject, woven. Amen, I'm glad I've been woven Amen. and I want to remain woven. Yes. I don't want to just be barely hanging on. Amen. I've heard people say, and I know I, I think I know what they mean if I could just hear the gate of heaven click behind me. <laughs> I'd prefer it clicking in front of me. Yes. Amen, I want to be a little further in the line. I don't want to be just clinging to frail, frail veils of hope but I want to be woven into the fabric of God's eternal purpose. Genesis 12 and 1, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that curse bless thee, and I will curse them that curses thee, And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. I know we read many times this passage of scripture, perhaps refer to it. But if you can just slow down and think about the power of this promise. I'm going to bless them that bless thee. I will curse them that curse thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. I want to be woven. Amen. I want to be... Woven, God bless you, and you can be seated. From Genesis 12, in this promise to Abraham that I will take you, Genesis 12, I will take you to this land. A land that flows with milk and honey, a land of hope and eternal promise. And I, I am going to make of thee a great nation. And from you, I will bless all the nations of the earth or all the families of the earth. And so from the inception of this promise in in Genesis 12, I think we can all agree that God has always had a people. God has always had a people. Never throughout the long history of Israel, of course, did 100% of the nation worship God. Always, but always, despite the fact that not everybody was on board, God has had a remnant. And that is an important word, especially in the context of what we're speaking about tonight. In truth, it was just a remnant of those that came out of Egypt's bondage and entered into the promised land. For all intent and purposes, we understand that the entire generation that came out of Egypt for the most part, died in the wilderness. In truth, it was their children that inherited the promises of the Lord. It was their children that inherited the promises of Genesis 12. God had preserved a nation. The doubters doubted, the murmurers murmured, and those that charged Moses foolishly just kept hurling their insults. But what they didn't realize is that God was listening and God was watching and God said, Moses, if you'll just back up here, I'm gonna take care of business. I will just take care of business. They said things, can you imagine how insulting this must have been to God and to their leader? They said things, would to God, that we had just died in Egypt. Oh, how soon they forgot the peril of that place. They bemoaned the absence of garlic and onions. They only remembered the good and just somehow in that very short period of time, they seemed to forget the bad. They forgot that they were slaves under the heavy hand of Pharaoh. Therefore, God said, I am going to wipe them out. The only exception he made was for those that was 40 years of age. He meant them below. I will preserve someone. I am going to keep a remnant year year. After year, the Lord marched them around the same mountain and the only thing that changed about the landscape was the number of tombstones from year to year. And finally, when judgment had been passed and settled... The Lord spoke and said, You have come past this mountain long enough. It is time to turn ye and go northward. Because you see, the promise had not gone anywhere. The promise was still yea and amen. The promise was still as sure to those that would believe as it was to Abraham when the Lord spoke it to him. In both the Old and New Testaments, we can see the references to the remnant. Romans 9. Romans 9 says, Through the number of the sons, though the number of the sons of Israel be as the sand of the sea, only a remnant will be saved. Romans 11 speaks about a remnant that has been chosen by grace. Micah 12 and 2 speaks about God gathering a remnant of Israel. God said of that remnant in Israel, he said, I will bring them together like sheep in a fold and I will put them together like flock in a pasture. God said, I am gonna have somebody that will serve me. I just want to tell you tonight that if God's going to have somebody that makes it, if there's going to be someone that occupies heaven, I want to be a part of that number. We've had ample opportunities to quit. We've had plenty of opportunities to throw in the towel and say enough is enough. We've had chances to tap out, but I just say, Lord, I need you to give me strength for one more mile. I need you to give me strength to climb one more hill. I need you to give me the wherewithal to make, Take it One more day I want to be woven. In the Old Testament we read and we hear many voices that refer and speak about these remnants. In Joel, in Isaiah, in Jeremiah, in Ezra and in Amos not you, amen, but in Amos in the Old Testament, amen, they speak of remnants. In the New Testament, we hear men like Matthew and John and throughout, scattered throughout all of the writings of the Apostle Paul, we read about those that remain. I'm going to tell you tonight, God is going to have somebody that says, I am going to make up my mind. I didn't just start this journey. I didn't start this journey to make it a few miles or a few years or just a few decades if I have got to press with everything in me I want to be a part of what God has planned if, if I have to just push everything else aside I want to say Lord help me walk another day help me to stand help me to pray one more time help me to take a journey through your promises once again I'm thankful to be woven that day was not much different than the day in which we live of course Because there are those, as we sadly know, that are just along for the ride church is just a part of their life it is not their life it's just a portion of what they do and sometimes just a small portion not sincere in their relationship with God more or less just playing the part but I'll say today I don't want to think that this is fun and games I don't want to think God I won't ever leave God with the impression that I'm just trying to hold hands under the table but I want him to know that I am committed to the cause I want to get up today with the determination. I want to get up in the morning with determination. If the Lord leaves us here, I want to find myself next week with a determination to go. I want to be a part of what God is doing in this day. In Elijah, in in Elijah's day, God had a faithful remnant. Once when Elijah had come to the end of himself, probably one of the lowest ebbs of his life, when he had come to the end of himself, After such a mighty outpouring of the Spirit... on on Mount Carmel in 1 Kings chapter 18, we are barely, scarcely in to the verses of chapter 19 when his whole world begins to cave in around him. The power of the spirit of discouragement like a crushing mighty blow hung over him as a cloud. He hides himself under a juniper tree in 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse number 14, Elijah told the Lord, he kind of erred some of the things that we sometimes think. He said, I, even I only am left and they seek my life. Oh Lord, I'm the only one. There's nobody but me. I'm the only one sold out. I'm the only one determined. I'm the only one that's serious. And in this moment of self-pity, it seems as though the Lord ignored that statement. It seems like as you're reading that, that God didn't even hear what he had to say about being... Being the only one left in verses 15 16 and 17 God gives Elijah a plan of action that was sure to bring victory and this is what he said he said to Elijah he said I want you to anoint Haziel to be the king over Syria and then I want you to anoint Jehu to be the king over Israel and then I want you to anoint Elisha to be the prophet in thy room if you're not careful you can miss what the Lord was setting up right here because God was establishing three layers of defense. In verse number 17 what he's saying is if they get past Hazael, then Jehu will get them. And if they get past Jehu, then Elisha will get them. I've got a plan, Elijah. I just need you to get up. I've got a plan. We're going to get out of this. I just need you to get from under the tree. I need you to pull yourself out of this pity party. I need you to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I've got a plan. I didn't bring you this far to leave you. I just want want to tell you tonight that God didn't bring us this far to leave us God didn't bring us to this point to desert us he said I've got a plan I've got a plan Elijah just hear me hear me Amen. And then, and then in scripture, it seems that God comes full circle in verse number 18. It's as though the Lord comes back in verse number 18 to address what he said a moment ago. He said, concerning that I'm all alone in this battle business. I want to just give you some heavenly statistics. Verse number 18, he said, yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel. He said, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal and every mouth which has not kissed him. Elijah, I need you to shake yourself. I need you to wake yourself. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not here. Just because you can't see them doesn't mean that they are not there. He said, I've got 7,000 that haven't bowed a knee what he was really saying is there's 14,000 knees that have not bowed and I've got 7,000 set of lips that have not kissed the lips of the enemy. I'm preaching to somebody tonight to tell you that we're not alone in this battle and we are not alone in this journey. Hallelujah. Just because we can't see them doesn't mean they are not here. Hallelujah. Just because they are not here yet doesn't mean they're not coming. Just because they're not in the altar tonight doesn't mean they won't be there Sunday just because they haven't been down in that watery grave as of yet doesn't mean they're not on their way we gotta pull ourselves up and say Lord I wanna hear your plan I wanna hear what you have to say to us in this day Hallelujah! just because you can't see them doesn't mean they're not here mm. hallelujah has always had a people. Always. And I want to make sure that I cast my lot with the right side. Amen. It was a remnant of believers at the coming of the Lord. Luke 2 specifically mentions Simeon. And then later he also mentions Anna. Of course, Acts 2 speaks of those who were faithfully found tarrying in the upper room when the power of the Holy Ghost fell down Cloven tongues like as a fire. Even though the leaders of the nation had only re- not only rejected him, they had crucified him there was still a remnant that remained. I want to tell you, it was a sad day. I know we read Acts 2, and we read about that glorious momentum that come after they were through tarrying, but we got to understand, it was a dark day for the New Testament church. Their hope had been crucified. Their Savior had been placed in a grave. They didn't know where to from here, but he said, tarry until you be due with power from on high, and by faith, amen, they went to that upper room not understanding about the the power of the Holy Ghost not understanding what was going to happen to them I ask you tonight how far can we walk by faith how diligently can we serve God by faith I don't want to sing only because I can see something with my eye I want to sing even when I can't see it with my eye faith the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen and even when I can't see it he's working and even when I can't feel it he's working Amen. God never stops stops working. He never stops working. Amen. There was a remnant because God always has a remnant. We can bring this down to the front steps of the 21st century church because I am looking at and preaching to a remnant. I have the privilege to regularly preach to people that are not ashamed to bear his name they have stood the test of time. I'm not just preaching to people in this audience tonight in this building, but I'm preaching to people online that are watching, amen, and those that have said, you know I, I've had ample opportunities to turn and run. I've had ample opportunities to just be crushed beneath the weight of what was upon my shoulder, but somehow I just stood up. It wasn't pretty. I wasn't always running at my best. I wasn't always tearing down walls. I wasn't always jumping and leaping, but I am going to tell you, they just kept walking. They just kept pressing. I'm not ashamed to bear his name. In the scripture, the meaning of the word remnant largely depends on the context of which it's used or in which it's used. Of course, sometimes it refers only in a physical sense, but there are many places where this passage or or these scriptural references is used in a spiritual sense. It often refers to God's people that have placed their faith, their trust, their hope in the Lord. In fact, there has always been a believing remnant of Israel. Amen, it speaks to God's faith. It it speaks to God's faithfulness to keep his covenant promises. It speaks to God's faithfulness. Some generations just kept walking and kept living because we're not just trying to survive on the ashes of yesterday's fire. We're not trying to warm our hands over the memories of what has been. But every generation has had an opportunity to experience the Lord for themselves. Hallelujah. Galatians 3 and 8 says of Abraham... He says, in thee shall all nations be blessed. We refer to that again in Genesis. But Galatians, Paul reminds them that in in Abraham, all the nations were going to be blessed. We're going to go to the book of Ezekiel. And among many others, Ezekiel refers many times to a remnant that will remain. In Ezekiel chapter 8 and verse number 6, he said, yet I will leave a remnant that ye may have some that shall escape the sword among the nations when ye shall be scattered through the countries." I will leave a remnant. When there is a scattering and when there is a dusting, no one thing, there's gonna be a remnant. I wanna make sure that I am part of that number. I don't know how large or how small that's gonna be, but I wanna make sure that I am a part of that number. God promises Israel a remnant. Those who escaped the sword, among many nations when they were scattered, all among the countries, Ezekiel was prophesying, Something that may not come, but something that was going to come. He, made, he said that I am going to have a remnant. The promise is by a God that is true to his word, a God that doesn't just say things for the sake of saying things, a God that's not just trying to entertain or, or, or have a pet rally of some sort, but he said, I am going to have a remnant. When the scattering is done, when it's all said and done, and when the dust settles, I want you to know I have got a people that's going. To rise out of the ashes, and they're going to still be singing glory to his name. They're going to be singing glory to his name. Hallelujah. The promises from a God that is true to his word, from his bowels of compassion and mercy. Amen. He said, I am not going to let them all be destroyed. God is going to have somebody that will stand. God had committed himself to preserve a part of the nation. This is the godly line. Of Abraham, who expressed his faith in that promised Messiah. Even though most rejected him, I'm gonna cast my lot. I'm gonna stand. Ezekiel 12 and 16. The Lord said, I will leave a few men of them from the sword and from the famine and from the pestilences, that from the pestilence, that they might declare all their abominations among the heathen, whether they come, whether they come, and they shall know that I am the Lord God. God was saying, I am going to have some that will lift their voices, and they're going to declare the wrongdoing, the injustice that's in the world, and I'm going to have a people will stand and through this they will know that I am the Lord their God. God then later elaborates on this remnant explaining to Israel. I'm going to chapter 14 and to verse 22. He said yet behold therein shall be left a remnant that shall be brought forth both sons and daughters. Behold they shall come forth unto you and you shall see their way and their doings and you shall be comforted concerning the evil that I have brought upon Jerusalem even concerning all that I have brought upon it and they shall comfort you when you see their ways and their doings, and you shall know that I have not done without cause all that I have done in it, saith the Lord, amen, these survivors, he said, are they going to consist of sons, and it's going to consist of daughters, and they're going to come forth, he said, and you shall see their way, and you shall see their doing, and you shall be Comforted. In other words, he said, you're going to be able to see of that remnant, you're going to see their conduct, you're going to see their actions, and as a result, it's going to comfort you. It's going to comfort the calamity that's been all around. I want to tell you where the church ought to be today. Amen. With all the uncertainty that's in our world, the church ought to be walking upright. The church ought to be planting their feet on solid ground. We ought to be walking with not with measured steps of confidence, not of our own, but of another world. Amen. This world is not our home. Hallelujah. We're passing through, but we're not We're not just passing through uh, staggering and stumbling, but I believe the church ought to be walking with purpose. Uh, I believe the church ought to be walking with a calm assurance. Uh, hallelujah. Where are you going to find us? We're going to be warming our hands around the promises of God. We're going to be warming our heart around the yay and amens of his word. We're going to stand on the truth of God's word. We're going to stand, hallelujah, this God-fearing remnant, men and women who believe the promises, just foolish enough to buy in, to believe the promises of God, amid the many mentions of those that remain, it's Ezekiel 5 that seems to say something that stirred my heart. I was reading the fifth chapter of Ezekiel just a few days ago and something just was born in my heart, this message born in my heart. Amen. In Ezekiel 5, God presented a word picture. It's stunning. It's graphic. And I'm going to share some of the opening scriptures of this text. And if you'll just do me and yourself a favor as we read these scriptures, I want you to just envision these word pictures in your mind. Ezekiel 5 and verse number 1. The Lord said to Ezekiel, he said, Thou, and thou, son of man, take thee a sharp knife, and take thee a barber's razor, and cause it to pass upon thy head and upon thy beard, then take the balances to weigh and divide the hair. I mean, it's just an odd, odd passage of Scripture, seemingly. But I'll tell you, if you're familiar with the book of Ezekiel, you can read some strange things in the book of Ezekiel. If you think you've ever had, had it bad, just read the book of Ezekiel and the things that God asks of him. So God instructs Ezekiel to take a razor or a sharp knife And he said, I want you to shave your head And I want you to shave your beard Now that doesn't impact us in this day that we're living Amen But God is doing something And he's showing something to his people Through Ezekiel, his voice Here's a new picture that's being painted for the people to see God is going to reveal a coming evil God, the prophet represents the Jewish nation. His hair represents the people. And the, rep- and the razor represents the Chaldeans. And the cutting of the hair and the cutting of his beard represents the sorrow and the disgrace that's coming upon the people. Here's a word of prophecy, but it's not just a word. It's a word picture. Here's what I want you to do, Ezekiel. I want you to take a razor or a knife, and I want you to shave your head, and I want you to cut your beard. Cutting off the hair was a sign of two things in Scripture. One is a sign of Mourning, a sign of mourning. But the second thing was also a sign of disgrace or a sign of shame. And 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 to prove that point or underline that point, perhaps, I could refer you to 2 Samuel chapter 10 and verse number 4. David has got his men together. And he says, I want you to go down. And I I want you to go down with good news. Uh, There's no sinister motive here. I I just want you to go down. I I want you to go down and speak to a man named Hanan. But somehow the men that were on the side of Hanan, they got in his ear and they said, you can't trust David. You better not trust David. He's not just sending those men to check on us. Everything is not well. Everything is not right. And so when these men get here, we need to do something to shame them, to disgrace them, and we'll send them home. And in this, we will show David who's large and who's in charge. And so Hanan ordered his men to take the servants of David. And he said, I want you to shave off. And you read it. He said, that the Bible says that they shaved off one half of their beard. And then they cut their garments in the middle, exposing their nakedness. And then they sent them away. Well, I'm just, this is not my message tonight. But I'm going to tell you, they made a grave mistake. Because when David got wind of this... He told those men that were ashamed to come home and to embarrass to enter into their city and to see their wives and let their children see them this way. He said, I want you to go to Jericho and I want you to remain in Jericho until your beards be grown. And now I want you to re- re- remember that Jericho has already been destroyed. Jericho is in pieces. He didn't say, I'm sending you to down to Cancun. I'm sending you to down some nice island for you to just drink pina coladas till everything settles out. But he he said I want to have you go. It's a, it's a bad place but you can heal there. It's not anything that you want to take pictures of but your beards can grow back. But I want you to know David come down on Hanan and they paid a horrible price for that. Hallelujah. In Ezekiel 5 going back to that he was then ordered he said shave your head and I want you to shave your beard but I don't want you to discard the hair I've got an object lesson. He said I want you to divide the hair into three equal parts and this was to show the different kind of punishments that was going to befall the people and then the Lord said I want you to take balances Now that's not an arbitrary word the word balances balances were to represent my divine justice. I'm not trying to portray tonight a God that's flipped his lid, a God that's come unhinged, but God said there's going to be divine justice in all of the judgment. They're going to represent, these, these balances are going to represent the exactness in which God's judgment was going to be distributed. The hair, can you imagine trying to weigh hair? We're not talking about Hair from a busy salon, Barber, shop somewhere that's been piled up. We're talking about just the hair of one man's head, the beard of one man's face. But he said, I want you to divide these hairs into three equal parts. And then here's how I want you to dispose of them. He said, one third of the hair is going to, I want you to burn that in the midst of the city. Now this was to show how that some were going to perish by famine and pestilence during this siege. It's an object lesson. I know it sounds cruel and harsh, but God was trying to get the mind and in the heart and in the soul of a stiff necked and a hard-nosed people, a hard-headed people. You can read it for yourself in Ezekiel. He said, I want you to take one third and I want you to burn one third of that right in the middle of the city on town square and they're gonna know this is what's gonna happen. Another third part, he said, I want you to cut that third part. Take a knife and I want you to cut that that third part into many small portions and I want you to do that all over the city. I just want you to take a third part and I want you to chop this up. Amen. And this is going to signify those that are going to perish in multiple attacks that are coming your way. This is what's coming your way. And then the remaining third, he said, I want you to take that third and I just want you to throw it up. I want you to cast that third to the wind. Amen. And this is going to be pointing out those that are going to be driven away into captivity this is going to represent those that are going to be driven away into caves into hiding, amen, but it's right here that Ezekiel says something very interesting, Ezekiel 5 and 3, he said and thou shalt also take thereof a few in number and bind them in thy skirts hallelujah, amen, Ezekiel I've got a powerful message for you, it's a message of doom and gloom. Amen. There's going to be some that are die of pestilence and that's the fire. And there are going to be some that die of the many battles they're going to face and that's the hair that's chopped up all over the city and there's going to be some that are cast to the wind. But before you do this, Ezekiel, I want you to reach down here in this measured pile and I want you to take just a few of those hairs and I want you to weave them into the border of your garment because this means amen, some are going to die here. Here, and some are gonna die there and some are gonna die in this fashion but one more time God said but I'm gonna have me a remnant amen that remnant is not gonna be left to chance amen I don't want you to put it on the shelf and hope it's there when you go back I don't want you to hide this in your sock drawer and hope nothing gets it while we're going I want you to weave this in to the border of your garment I'm gonna tell you tonight amen I, I want to be woven into the fabric of God Hallelujah I don't want to just whimsically take my chance but I say, oh God, if I've got any say in this oh God, if I've got any say in this at all I'm asking you to take my heart, my mind, my soul my lips, my feet, my hand and weave them, oh God I want to be woven in your divine purpose amen, I want them to be bound I want them to be bound amen, let's stand, I want them to be bound in your purpose, the Bible talks about things that can be shaken, will be shaken. I don't want to just be barely hanging on, and the shaking come, and I lose my footing, I lose my grip. I want to know I got my arms around this. I want to know I got my mind around this. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in what I'm saying tonight. Amen. I'm going to tell you that I I feel like the Lord gave me this Amen, to preach on this very night. Amen. I believe the Lord gave me this to preach this message this very night. Amen. I want to be bound. I want to be woven. I don't want to just be barely hanging on. I'm going to tell you I want to make heaven my home. Hallelujah. But until the trumpet sounds I want my feet to be planted. Until the trumpet sounds or he calls me home I want my mind to be made up. I want to be sold out. I want to Be vested I want to be. I want to buy in. I want to buy in. Amen. This weaving, the binding, the twisting. I want it to be in your garment, Ezekiel. I want you to know something, Ezekiel. When all of the fire is falling, when all the arrows are flying, and when all the swords are clanging, I want you to know something when you look down when you look down and you think all hope is long, is lost you're going to recognize the hair of your head the hair of your beard amen I, 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 I'll just invite you to come to the front tonight amen the book of numbers the book of numbers in the book of numbers the scripture talks something similar says I want to take I want you to take a ribbon of blue and I want you to thread this ribbon of blue in the border of your garment in the border of your garment you know what you got to look down to see the border of your garment and so when you're looking down and you're not looking up the lord said I got a I got an answer I got a remedy when you're looking down you're going to see a ribbon of blue it's going to remind you Here's what the ribbon of blue means. I am the Lord your God which brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. I feel hope in the Holy Ghost tonight. Amen. There's a ribbon of blue woven through the fabric. We look down and we, we think, oh, hope is gone. We think it's never been this bad before but when I look down, I see a reminder that I am the Lord your God that brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. <laughs> Ezekiel, when you think all hope is gone and you look down into the border of your garment and you think, oh God, there's no hope, there's no use. I just give up, there's nobody left to preach to. God says, I got a reminder, there's gonna be a remnant that'll rise out of this. There's gonna be a people that'll rise out of this. Some may walk away, but they're not all walking away. Some may throw up their hands, They're not all throwing up their hands. Some are saying, Lord, help me. I'm going to come to the altar. I'm going to come to the place of repentance. I'm going to come to the place of the outpouring of your...
0: This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic